Welcome to the Strategy with Jason podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy with Jason. Today, I have, I have a friend with me. Jeff, can I call you my friend? Absolutely, you can call me <laughs> friends. <laughs> I was just thinking, that sounded awkward, but I'm going to go with it. Let's just do it. Yes, so let's, go it's with it. Like, let's go with it. I'm thinking of like an episode of like Sesame Street, you know, where you kind of walk over, and I'm like, let me introduce you to my friend, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. uh, but no, for everyone out there watching and listening, I have the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. General Motors Jeff in the house. Jeff, what's up? I, I wish, first of all, I wish I was famous. That would be fantastic. Uh, secondly, it's been way too long, man. We, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I've, I've been able to, to jam with you on here. And, uh, and so I've been looking forward to this and I'm glad that our times, uh, mesh where we can actually talk for a bit about know, right? some autom- automotive industry stuff. And have Dude, fun. cause there's so much to talk about, you there know, is. I was thinking like it was, it was winter last year. I think last time we really kind of chatted or we were, oh, well, yeah. we were face to face with each other. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. just, it's, it's nice to be like, hey, it's snowing outside. You got a bunch of white stuff on the ground up there too. We do. And it was minus 21 when I left this morning for minus work. So 21. We're, we're, we're winter now. We're nice. winter. Nice. Yeah. Do, do you snowmobile into the dealership or do you drive? Yeah. You know what? Actually funny. We just had a poster that day. three, three of the texts. Uh, so we'll be in on uh, it was that Thursday or Friday of last week. So uh, I actually technically could, but it's it's too much of a hassle for me. Well, you know, that's that's for that, all though. the that's for everybody else that's listening to the podcast who realize that we're in Canada and they all think we live in igloos and we drive snowmobiles yeah. into yeah. into the into work. And that's true. We do. We 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 all live in igloos. It's and close. We drive snowmobiles <laughs> into work. But <laughs> yeah. hey, hey um, just filling yeah. right into the stereotype. We're, we're just going to go that. straight yeah. into it. A hundred percent. Hey, Jeff, for everybody out there watching, listening, and maybe don't know uh, much about you or how you got started in the industry, let's kick off the podcast with a little origin story because, you know, I'm always fascinated. What is the origin story of General Motors, Jeff? So were you like putting a segue with the the snowmobile aspect? Because that's obviously where my industry actually or my, uh, you know, foray, I guess you would call it, into the uh, retail um, industry came from because uh, my father owned the Yamaha dealership, uh, Power Sports dealership. So I've been around motors my whole life. That's where I started. Um, We ended up selling the dealership and I was, you know, I had a new house, a new wife, a new baby. And I was uh, going, okay, well, what am I going to do now that is, you know, somewhat relative? And I thought, well, the automotive industry makes sense. (laughs) Little did I know that as much as, you know, you would think it'd be similar, it is absolutely not that similar. I mean, maybe the retail aspect and talking to people is, but um, I was very humbled uh, when I first got in the industry in terms of, you know, especially going to General Motors, because uh, as many of you know, especially in the automotive industry, man, there's a lot of lines that we have, a lot to know, a lot of product aside from just learning the ins and outs of the automotive industry. Uh, but I love it. I love the challenge. Um, I'm going to be hitting nine years at the, uh, in the automotive industry and at the same dealership, Pro Chevrolet and Sault Ste. Marie this March. Um, and then I've obviously uh, taken a, a liking to the social media side of things and uh, also forayed over now into the YouTube and creating a, you know, a specific automotive general motors, more so truck automotive uh, YouTube channel. Um, but yeah, it all started from, uh, from working at a dealership that my dad owned and uh, <laughs> transitioned over the automotive industry and 
and here I am. And I don't have any plans of uh, getting out of this industry in one way or one form or another, uh, whether or not be the dealership or not. But definitely want to stay within the automotive industry. I love the people, and, uh, and I just love, I love vehicles. So, so it definitely sounds like you got gasoline in the blood there, bud. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have a choice. I was, I, was I was literally born into it. I was literally born into it. So, well, you, it you know, for for people out there that that do know you, and you know, they they've followed along with your content journey, and um, you've had a really cool content journey. Um, you know, I th I think like most people, they're not one hundred percent sure what they're going to create when they get into it. You know, they get super nervous about people's engage uh, reaction or lack of engagement. Um, so, man, I I'd love to kind of you know. Walk us through a little bit about your content journey, how it started, how you kind of got to this place. And then I want to deep dive into some do's and don'ts because I feel like you've you've fumbled your kind of way through it like any good content creator does, right? And you've learned what to do and a little bit of what not to do, uh, but kind of set the stage of kind of how it all got started for you. So it took a few years and mainly, again, like I just said off the top, I, you know, man, it was a lot of product to know, a lot of, you know, ways to navigate how this industry works. And so um, I didn't get much into social media because I didn't feel like I had, and that was more of a personal thing. I just didn't feel like I had a lot to offer initially um, because I, I didn't know my stuff. And, and I very much pride myself on wanting to know as much as I can. Now, I kind of wish that I started earlier and just learned as I went along. I think there's some authenticity to that. People can relate to that. Um, as long as you're honest with what you're doing, you're not giving wrong information. You could be doing a walk around and like, ah, you know, I don't know this aspect, but I'll put it in the comments below when I find out or, you know, whatever. And I think there's some authenticity to that. So started out with uh, Facebook um, because I just felt that was the best platform with which to reach mm -hmm. um, people locally. You know, I live in a smaller community. Um, so, you know, whether I did Instagram or, and we didn't really, TikTok wasn't a thing when I started a few years ago. Um, not as big as it is now, at least anyways. And so, Facebook is where I started. I got encouraged by uh, a coworker who just said, you know, you got to start doing social media. He's very, uh, he's very much involved in our analytics at the dealership. His name is Trevor Seabrook. Great guy. And he basically said, you know, you got to start doing this. So I went out and I did a video on a 2018 Chevy Traverse, uh, just to walk around and talk about price and all that kind of stuff. Put it on my Facebook and I got some pretty good uh, <laughs> Facebook page that I created, by the way. And I got some pretty decent interaction um, from it. And so I decided, hey, maybe I'll do some more of this. And and like you said, I kind of learned as I went along. Um, I was very fortunate, again, to have this gentleman at the dealership because he kind of knew some of the ins and outs of Facebook in terms of the analytical side and things you should do and you shouldn't do, um, which, well, again, we can talk about. Um, but, yeah, so I started, I started with the Facebook thing. Uh, branch a little bit. I still do, you know, a little bit on Instagram. Um, uh, but I feel like if you're a salesperson, Facebook is definitely the way to go. For sure. Uh, you know, and then, uh, and then I, you know, all these videos I started doing on Facebook, I just kind of uploaded up onto YouTube just kind of as a library. Like I, I wasn't learning how to do it. And again, mainly because, you know, these walk around videos, yeah, sure. They're great for people to see and learn some things from, but it wasn't really gaining me sales necessarily on YouTube mm -hmm. simply because, you know, it was, you know, the majority of my, and it's still to this day, the majority of my viewership is like 95% from the United States. Well, they can even buy from me if they want to, uh, <laughs> let alone, you know, not being close to where I live necessarily. So, um, that was just a library to put things that's grown and we can talk about that as well. But, uh, so Facebook is where I started and, um, we can certainly, I said, like, as no, said, man, that's cool. And, and I love the fact that you said Facebook, because I think for a lot of people out there, when they're thinking of creating, you know, their brand with the intent of business developing their way into deals is, is they do think, you know, it's big and wide and no. And the cool thing with Facebook is that Facebook is very, very local. 
right? Um, right. E- even if you're running ads on Facebook or even just the way their algorithm is designed is to target local companies uh, before 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 anything else. So uh, no, I think that's a good point. And Instagram doesn't seem to be as much of that. Um, it's definitely I don't broader. Find it, is. it feels, you know, right. I it's more broader it than local, right? I feel Facebook yeah, is very it's, local. It's more, it's more short, right? like really short form. It's more, there's, I find that there's a little less interaction with, with, uh, Instagram as I do on Facebook. I don't know what it is about Facebook, but I feel people will watch videos longer. They go there to find more information. I don't necessarily ever say, I'm going to go to Instagram to find out about this vehicle. I absolutely will go. I want to see who's selling. I want to see what, you know, hours of dealership is open. I want to see, you know, uh, about a certain vehicle, I would definitely go to Facebook nine times out of 10 over, over Instagram. And I find that, you know, when that's the content I'm providing, which is informative as well as education, like there's educational as well as, you know, entertaining, I hope, um, you know, that's, that's the, the area I would go to. So I figured that that's the area that most other people are going to go to as well. You know, we're going to get in big trouble for calling it Facebook, right? Oh, better, better, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just just thinking about this. I was just like, wait a second. I just got off a podcast with Bob Lanham. I totally messing this up. We keep calling it. Well, it was Facebook at the time, so I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, there you go. We're going to go with that. It was Facebook at the time. But but you know what, though? I do think, you know, when I think of Facebook, I do kind of think of it as, as... Meta. Okay, when I think of Meta, all right, I do I do kind of think of it as kind of like that 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 local pub. You know, it's it's that one that was like really really cool to go to. You know, you you enjoyed going to it for for a fair amount of time, and yes, you maybe have broken off and tried some other places, all right. But you still come back to it. You you, you just yeah. you know that that's that local spot where you just you always kind of come back to it. it's your it's your go to. And I think for right. any any uh, anybody out there that's going to get into content game, I think it's a great place to, to start. Now let's talk a little bit about some do's and don'ts. So let's let's do this because I love storytelling. So so give me a story. Of, of something that you did that you really wish you didn't do. <laughs> so that's the one thing I've been super careful about. And actually I can, again, thank the gentleman that kind of started me off on this. And I, and, and just before we go too far, I also have to throw some love your way simply because <laughs> you're one of the first people that ever reached out to me once I started doing it, that really, again, encouraged me to, to keep going on, on what I'm doing. And it was great to have somebody, you know, outside of our own dealership and somebody who was very well versed in the automotive industry to help me out with that. So again, I got to thank you for that. And this is why I Thanks. love doing these, 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 these talks with you. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, wow. I'm trying to think. And I, <laughs> by no means am I perfect, but nothing really stands out, which is good just because I've been careful. But I can say some things not to do because sure. I've seen some other people that have done these. And one of them is, do not talk about politics. I've stayed out of the COVID situation, the, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff, the political conversation, you stay out of that. Um, you know, and, and the one, the one thing I can say that I think a lot of people make a mistake on is they make their page, uh, their business page. If they do that, that way, almost too professional. And so what I mean by that is, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to mimic the, uh, the automotive manufacturer, maybe they work sure. for, um, it's, it, it's not allowing people to see who they really are. And I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest mistakes I think people make. And it's not, a, uh, not that anything bad is going to happen to you, but it's just not going to help you. And I think that, you know, when you're only advertising, uh, you're only, you know, showing the picture of the person that bought the vehicle, but you're not including yourself in any of this. And okay, I can say that's actually my biggest mistake. My go. biggest mistake from the start was not including myself, was not including myself in my videos and showing myself. And cause my, my, you know, my common complaint was I hate how I look, I hate how I sound. And, uh, the guy at work just basically slapped me in the face more or less with this comment and said, and I'm sure you probably said the same thing to me before at some point in time too. Like, listen, they're going to see when they come to the dealership anyways. Right. <laughs> and 
so to do all these videos and, and, and do all these walk-arounds and do all this content that's going to help people, and it might have my name up in the top corner, but people are just seeing it, then they're going to go into the dealership. They don't even know who they're looking for, so they're just going to go to the first salesperson, right? So I think that's that's where I made a mistake initially was that I didn't capitalize on myself and, and branding myself as to, you know, the person who's providing you all this information. Um, hopefully I can be the one that helps you out and you know who I, you know who I am, who I look like. And going further on what I was talking about is really, you know, starting to let people into my life to a certain extent, to a certain extent. I mean, not getting too personal, but letting people know I like hockey or that I like football or that, you know, I go camping with the kid, you know, with my family and I enjoy that. And just letting people know that, hey, listen, I'm a human being. I'm not just this robotic, sleazy, you know, salesperson that's out just to get your money. I'm here to help you. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that one of the things you have to do on social media is, is really show who you are as much as you are the product that it is you sell. Because again, oh, yeah. you're selling yourself as much as you're selling the product. And I think that's where people are missing. They're focusing so much on the product only that they're not getting out there themselves and the whole reason why you were doing it in the first place is to break the ice and allow people to feel comfortable and relatable to the person they're dealing with and you know it really is all about building a personal brand right i mean i'm not gonna <laughs> say you know, not you for nothing over the camera maybe people had already seen that but i didn't see that till now. i love that I <laughs> okay love i wasn't that. wearing it i just threw it on i wanted to see if you're going to notice uh, <laughs> right away so, so people are watching the audio right now and they're not watching the video i am wearing my general motors jeff snapback hat and I'm Thank telling you for you, the support. It's pretty sharp. <laughs> Thank you for the support. Um, <laughs> I just gotta make an or- I just gotta make an orange one now. I know. Yeah, I know. I think I gotta. I think it's too tight. I gotta make this work. Though. There we go. There we go. I don't wear I these it. type of hats typically, so there we go. I'm I'm in. Okay, there we go. We can we can go on with the it. podcast now. Um, but no, you're 100 right. You know, you, you have to make it about yourself. You know, and that was actually one of the mistakes I actually made as well when I first started. You know, making content was is is I was really kind of focusing on the business. It was more about, you know, what we did as a business. And I would probably say the first 30 or 40 videos that I put out there had nothing to do with with with, with Jason Harris. It had to do with the business at the time. And but that's not what people want to connect with. You know, they want to connect to they want to connect with you as a human. And right. to do that, you need to be a human. You need to put yourself out there. You know, you, you need to wear the fun snapback hats or the orange ties, the orange shirts, whatever whatever it is, right? Just, you just yeah. need to be you. People want to connect to that person. And, and once they've connected to that person, they're, they're very open to listening to the stories that that person's willing to share. Now, as long as those stories are continuing to provide them value, they'll continue to connect with you. Um, I, I know this, we could probably go a little deeper into this conversation, but I'm going to segue real quick because I want to watch our time. Um, but, but this does go into, we were talking about value. This is something that, you know, it's a good segue over is <laughs> I can't even say it without even like a straight face, right? Is <laughs> price gouging. Um, man, I'm seeing too much of this right now. Right. So it's like, you know, I think, you know, well, from when I owned a dealership, everything was just an exchange of value, Right. It was, you know, it was, it was a value exchange from your money to the product I sold to the service, to the service I provided. And even still today, it is just an exchange of value back and forth. Now, I, I think for, for a lot of businesses out there, they've seemed to forget this whole model. Right. And they're like, you know, I don't need to, you know, if you're going to jack up your prices, there need to be an attached value to it. And if there's not, then that's called price gouging. And I'm seeing right. this happen right now. Are you, are you seeing this as well? And I'm curious to get what your thoughts are. 
So I'm seeing a lot of it relative to my YouTube channel because, again, just kind of focusing on the sense that, you know, the majority of my, my viewership is American and they're the majority of, obviously, the commenters on there. Not not seeing this necessarily talked about on my personal Facebook. But, again, on, on most certainly, um, in fact, I actually just did a video on it released today. It'll all be, whenever this comes out, it'll be out for a little while. But, you know, speaking to this fact, and, um, yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't know that – and I – I don't know if it's us as Canadians or if it's just the industry here is different. Um, or on top of all this, I know that in Ontario, we have OMVIC, which I know you're aware of, which is a really strict governing body, which definitely protects the purchaser that I know a lot of dealerships are never going to want to step on the toes of uh, because that opens a whole lot of doors that are not good. Um, and it's like I say, it's good for the consumer, obviously, uh, most importantly. And so I haven't seen it so much up here, but most certainly in the States, um, I just, uploaded the video. Well, I did the video last night, I uploaded it this morning, and I've already have, I don't know, 40, 50 minimum, 60 maybe comments it's probably up to now, mm-hmm. of people indicating that they went to dealerships, they're getting, you know, charged much over. Obviously, my channel's focused on General Motors, that's what we were talking about, but we're not the only brand by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, certainly, and it's just, it, like you say, there's not a value brought to it. It's just, it's a Chevy Silverado, you hardly have any. It's three, six, seven thousand $7,000 more just because and listen i'm seeing this share as a salesperson slash i do other things obviously at the dealership and a content creator so it's easy for me to say listen like this is crazy this you know i'm a consumer myself and i I just don't think think that that's fair but i also understand the dealership side where it's like hey you know we're normally selling i don't know 300 vehicles a month we're now selling 100 if we're lucky we're we're trying to keep the lights on maybe we have to make a bit extra money but like you say i think there's got to be some value attached that there's got to be a reason for that extra charge not just hey we can because we can right you know what but to a certain degree okay i understand that but the the other thing too is that as an industry you know we're not having we're not discounting anything you're getting full pop on everything you know and and yes maybe you're not selling 300 units and you're only selling 100 but you're selling 100 at full full list Right. Yep. You know, so, so I, 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 I know I hear dealers say that, but I like, I'm like, I'm going to use my, uh, my badger voice. Well, mm, I've seen your PNL. I know you got the money. Um, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, come on, you know, like it, it, I think it's enough's enough. I think, I, I think the dealerships that are doing that don't see the lifetime value of having that customer. All right. Yeah. And in what a, you know, I have customers out there that are paying full pop. They're happy as hell. And they're telling their friends, how happy the experience was and they're bringing more customers in that are going to be willing to pay full pop, you know, instead right. of like, you know, how many customers that have paid six, 7,000, 10, $15,000 in some cases over list is going to go out there and say, oh, man, let me tell you about the truck. I just bought, I paid 15 yeah. grand over price and whew, I feel good about it. You should go yeah. check out that dealership. Like, come on. That's just not happening. No, it's, you know, we're focusing not, I, as an industry, no, we're focusing on one transaction. Sorry, what were you saying? Go ahead. Yeah, no, and I have no problem with the MSRP aspect. And you know, yeah, in fact, sure. I said that in the video I did, it's it, it it is what it is. I mean, I can't go into Best Buy and negotiate the price on the TV that's there. That's the MSRP. If it's on sale, oh, great, but I can't say, you know, I see it's five hundred dollars, but I only want to pay three hundred, you know, or whatever it is. I I don't have that luxury of doing that. So why are we any different? And you know, I also mm-hmm. am seeing this from a salesman's perspective where, you know, the, the, the manufacturers are, are cutting the, the, the gross profit, um, you know, on vehicles. I'll use a Chevy Equinox as an example. It's much, it's more razor thin than it's ever been. So it's not like we have this flex of a lot of money to, to discount these things unless the deal, unless the manufacturers are giving it to us anyway. So MSRP is, is going to be the norm, I think, regardless of, of what happens in this industry, simply because 
we all have to be at a bit of an equal playing field and we're all advertising to the same customers and, and the, you know, the world is shrunken down because of the internet. So whether you have a dealership that's five hours away or three hours away, we all have to kind of be advertising the same price. So, um, but as far as, you know, the, like, like the, the overcharging, yeah, that's, that's just getting enough. In fact, actually, you know, I work, uh, the, the dealership I work for fortunately has not done that, you know, and we sell things like Corvettes and we're in Northern Ontario. I literally could probably sell 10 to 15 Corvettes a year up here and we get allocated two or three, sometimes four, maybe. And, you know, so you think that we have every right to want to ask more for those vehicles. We don't. And part of the reason why don't we, well, first of all, because it's just not how we operate. But secondly, as you just said, from the longevity standpoint, why would we do something like that? Clearly the person that's buying that Corvette is a good customer, right? Of you know, you don't just go buy a hundred thousand dollar plus car and not probably have some other vehicles, especially if you live in Northern Ontario, <laughs> that's not the car you're driving all year round. Right. So, um, you know, and you have family and you have friends. And so if we're going to overcharge on everything, uh, or on the vehicles we have now, do you think that customer is ever going to recommend us ever going to want to come back to us when the world does write itself? And we exactly. do have inventory that we're trying to move, whereas we're not trying right now because we're just trying to get it. Um, you know, that's going to hurt us in the long run. And General Motors has even taken that approach where uh, just recently Steve Carlyle, the, the vice president of GM North America, uh, came out with a letter to to the dealerships. Now, I don't think we got it here in Canada, mm-hmm. but I've been privy to it. I've seen the letter. And uh, at least the dealers in the United States. And, and let's be honest, again, I want to also say that this is not a blank thing. This is not everybody doing this. This is, you know, select dealerships that are basically saying, listen, you guys cannot be doing this anymore. There's certain things you're doing that could be breach of contract, so on and so forth. And so I think General Motors, and we're not, I think there's one other brand I don't even want to talk about because they're a competitor, but, um, you know, that we're, we're, <laughs> we're taking, uh, or General Motors as a company is taking a positive approach on this and saying, listen, just because there's only going to be so many Silverado EVs or Corvette Z06s, you know, it doesn't mean that you should be able to charge to the moon for these things. And we're going to try and, you know, penalize you if you attempt to do this. And I think that that, um, you know, a lot of dealerships are not going to want to hear that. But I think from a com- consumer uh, perspective, that's a great thing. Well, you, you know, though, it's it's funny that you say the dealerships don't want to hear it, but it's short sightedness. All right. It's not focusing on what's good for your business long term. I, I honestly think it is certain management that really has probably no interest in being around at the dealership for longer than 18, 24 months as it is anyways, you know, and it's just going to take what they can and then just, just kind of move on. Um, right. Just, I think it's a horrible, horrible strategy. You know, I just, I, I, I think, I think these are times like these are opportunities where you can truly build uh, brand loyalty and brand equity, you know, and you don't have to do anything too, too crazy. Right. So I just bought a pickup recently and, um, and is that what you call that? It's a pickup. All right. It's a toy. <laughs> it's a t- thanks. No, because I know what you bought. And I'm just asking, is that what you call that one? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to call it a pickup. It's called a pickup. It's not I'm a truck. It's not a truck. It's the smaller version of it. It's a pickup. I know. I'm bugging you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what, though? Um, I, I decided to approach this particular uh, product as a customer, not as someone in the industry. Right. So, you know, instead of using my contacts, you know, which I could have easily done, right? Could have easily just said, hey, look, this is what I'm looking for. You know, and it would have been boom, 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 boom. It would have been done. I said, no, no, I'm going to take, I'm going to approach this as a customer. I'm going to reach out to dealerships I have no contact with, no connection with, never done business with. And I want to see what happens. And boy, was it bad. You know, uh, I can't tell you how much price increases. Were there Uh, price increases on it? You know what? Some, no, there wasn't price increases, but a lot of it was bait and switch. So, you know, they'd market a vehicle right. and say, yeah, 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 we got to come on in. And then come to find out they didn't have it, 
It was with that, uh, I, I can't tell you, dude, three dealerships. Oh, man, you know what? That just sold. But I can factory sure. order you something. Um, so what they were doing is they were using the inventory as a bait and switch so they can get into a factory order. That rubbed me the wrong way, right? Finally, found, finally yeah. found a dealership that did have it in stock. And, you know, even when I got there, so I, I, didn't, I didn't ask for a discount. I didn't do any of that stuff. I'm, feeling, I'm paying full pop, whatever it is, right? I get there, and they tried to jam me with extra fees and then tell me I have to pay for them. All right, now. Not knowing that you know your way around the industry. Yeah. I'm like, I said, uh, I said, go get your manager for me and ask him if he knows anything about OMVIC. Um, you know, that's a governing <laughs> body for anyone out there watching. And it, 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 dude, you know what the funny thing? And it was like, it turned into a full blown conversation of like, well, I'm, I'm doing it because I can. I'm like, I cannot even believe that you're admitting this right now. Yeah. You're like, you know, like you, you had a salesperson lie straight to my face saying that I don't have an option. I have to pay for this because it's pre registered to the vehicle. And that's, we all know that's not 100% true. Anyways, I digress. Um, but, you know, in a, it, I'm not just saying price gadging is the only thing that's happening bad out there. There are a lot of other bad, bad practices that are happening right now. Uh, but I think that what it is is we're seeing in the industry, we're seeing the, the real operator. We're seeing the cream rise to the top. Are you, you see the same thing? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what bothers me the most about this? I might get on a side tire in here for two, a couple of seconds. Sure. But what bothers me most about this is we talk as automotive professionals and salespeople and, and dealer principals so often about, man, we just got to shake this, you know, this uh, uh, stigma that we're these, you know, crooks and we're out there. We're, I feel like we're going 13 steps back right now with what's going on. What we're finally, I felt we were finally, especially with social media. And like I said, getting ourselves out there and, and humanizing ourselves a bit, we're totally shooting ourselves in the foot and putting ourselves backwards with, with, Exactly what you just said, the whole bait and switch thing, the thing where I can do it if I want to, or, you know, or this is what you have to do. And we find out you don't have to do it. And, and like, uh, man, that's frustrating. So absolutely. I think that the dealerships who are going to have the integrity to you know, call it like it is, or, you know, that are going to look at the big picture, look big picture and say, hey, listen, yeah, we're not going to make, maybe we're making good money. But we're not going to yeah. make as much, much money right now as we potentially could, but in the long run we are right. And so, yeah, I just, I, I definitely see that there, that there's going to be, um, when this all comes out in the wash, I think there's going to be a, you know, a difference in the dealers who didn't, didn't, uh, do this, this, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's going to be a correction. I think there's going to, I think there's going to be a correction of, you know, of people in the industry that probably may have shouldn't have been. And, and you're seeing, you've already seen some of that correction already kind of happen you know, over the last right. 24 months as it is anyways, because most dealerships are operating now with less staff. They're able to do more with little. And I think for, 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 for some of the really good operators out there, and there are some amazing operators out there, by the way, um, that they've kept the right staff around. And I think some of the other ones are going to learn that, you know, maybe they didn't. But, you know, the one thing I found really interesting going through this, this journey, and I wanted to pick your brain a little bit, was, was the communication. You know, I figured... Maybe, and this is just maybe me having assumptions and being an ass for having assumptions, is that, you know, since there isn't a whole lot of inventory, since things are a little quieter and a little bit slower, I just assumed that there would just be a much higher level of communication over the 12 dealerships that I reached out to. Boy, was I surprised how bad it was. I'm like, there's nobody coming in the dealership. You don't have any cars. And the communication was with some was so atrocious, it blew my mind. I mean, I you think about this, and, and then I want to I get a few questions. 
I, I give you my name, my phone number, my email address, all right? Um, my, my first name, my last name, my blood type, my shoe size, my firstborn. I give you all this stuff just so I can yeah. get an autoresponder from you. And then 24 hours later, someone else sends me an email, asks me to call them. You know, and then yeah. I called them just for them to ask me to come in. Like, I'd love to get your thoughts yeah. on, you know, the current status, the current state of lead communication and where you think we should be. Well, I have to come to the defense of the dealership a little bit on that one. And that is the <laughs> fact that I can see firsthand myself that although we don't have the inventory and it seems like we're doing nothing, it is taking me five times as long with every consumer than it normally would basically. And I, and I have a list right now uh, that I can go down and talk about people I'm trying to find trucks for. So normally I, if I had the inventory out there, I'd begin the truck, boom, 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 it's done. Right now I'm trying to find, is it sold? You know, can I get this feature in it? So like all these processes I will say are taking longer. Does that justify the lack of communication? Absolutely not. But I do, just like I say, I want to come to the defense of, of salespeople out there because there is a lot uh, of legwork that I think isn't being totally seen right now. No, and I get that. And if that's communicated to the customer, I think the customer is totally understandable. Uh, right? Absolutely, yeah. And like you said, so the communication. So uh, I agree with you. So interestingly enough, um, what I'm doing at the dealership right now is just a little bit of uh, about everything. So um, as of about uh, halfway through last year, I took over, uh, I took a different position in the dealership. So I'm still a salesperson, selling about 15% uh, of the people, uh, you know, close friends, people have sold a lot of vehicles to in the past who don't want to deal with anybody else, you know, specifically family, whatever. And then the other, other 75% of the time, 85% of the time, I'm doing um, uh, any and everything else. So if a, if a person is sick, I'm doing delivery for them. Uh, if there's a customer that has questions on something, I can help them. But I also took over because our BDC, uh, we only have one BDC. We're, we're, you know, again, a smaller dealership. So we have one person working in our BDC right now. And she left. So I took that over for a couple months and did the BDC myself. And... I, I definitely had my eyes open to a lot of a lot of things because as salespeople there, we weren't getting any of the leads unless it was given to us after it had been filtered. And so I dealt with that, and I also trained the young lady who's doing it now. And you know, one of the things that yeah, exactly, it, it just ticked me off. We don't do that bait and switch thing. Do we have it? Yes. Do we have it? No. You know, as simple as that. But here's your options. You know, A, B, C, D, and E, whatever. Maybe it, maybe we're bonus because we're in a captive audience, so it's not as easy for somebody just to skip and go somewhere else. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I have to maybe admit that that's a little bit of it. But you know, when somebody communicates with you via text on there or via email, and they don't give you a phone number, communicate with them back that way. If they ask you a question, answer the damn question. That is so frustrating to me. I know, right? When I see, you know. You know, does this have such and such wheels? Um, you know what? Why don't you come in? We'll talk about it. No, the reason I'm on here right now is because I don't want to come exactly. in. Right? And anybody who's, I'm 42, and anybody who's younger than me, that is the way that they're doing a lot of this vehicle shopping. And, we, you know, touching on where you're talking about dealerships being able to, you know, uh, go with less salespeople, for an example, it's because most of us are streamlining the process and knowing what we're getting into before we get there. So we don't need 15 salespeople. We only need maybe seven or eight because... Mm -hmm. We're doing all our research online, provided that dealer is answering the questions properly and not continually saying, come on in, or I'll give you a call. No, again, you know, I don't even know why I have a phone sometimes unless it's a customer. I don't answer it half the time, right? Like, text me That's first. a really good point, right? <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, you have to meet the customer uh, where they want to be met, right? And, you, and, and, and that's so like, 
everybody knows that, you know, if, if you send me an email, I'll probably get responded to within 24 hours, um, maybe longer, depending on what's going on, but it's 24 to 48 hours, right? If you call, I'm the same way. I don't answer my phone. I let that thing yeah. go to voicemail. It transcribes it. It pops up for me. And then I determine, and, th and then I determine if it's something I should be responding back to, or if it's something I'm just yeah. going to take care yeah. of at well, a later time. Well, that's why you time. don't answer my calls. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, but, but. <laughs> The funny thing is everyone knows if you DM me, you're going to get a response within usually the hour, right? Uh, but if you text message me, if you're able to get into that inner circle of text message, my response prime is probably two to five minutes, you know? Right. And but, but I see dealers focusing on like one channel of communication or maybe a couple channels of communication and they refuse to meet the customer where the customer wants to be met. And I just don't get it. I don't either. How do we, I don't, I really don't. And so like, I think that there's some credibility and you can, you know, de develop that when you're the one answering the questions. So if there's five of their dealers in the city, I live in or six or seven, we know whatever. And they're all looking for a pickup truck as an example. Mm -hmm. Well, you can communicate with four or five different dealerships, but if you're the only one that answers that question and you, you get that communication going, you're that much further ahead of everybody else. Every other dealer is saying, I'm not sure. Why don't you come in and we'll set you up with a salesperson. They'll answer those questions or, you know, whatever it is. I think a lot of times you've lost those people. Like, why do you think skip the dishes is so popular? Cause I don't want to go to the damn place to pick it up. I don't want to call them. I just want to punch it in my phone, order it. And I get it. Right. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It's, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we want immediate gratification in our communication. And, and, and I know that sounds horrible, but I don't think it is. I think it's actually fair to say that when I engage with, with a company, um, I, I want them to engage back to me in, in, in the communication channel that I want to be talked to, not the one that they feel most comfortable in. You know, and, and it's funny because I think it's the one little area that as an industry we're still slow to adopt to uh, because I think in the last 24 months we have actually done a very good job, <clears throat> excuse me, of uh, creating buying processes, not not sales processes, right? Like we're giving the customer options to buy, how to buy, where to buy, when to buy, how to take delivery of it, where to take delivery of it. You know, we're giving them options versus kind of our old models. Like here's our sales process, one through 14 steps, and you have to follow every one of them, right? But we haven't yeah. gotten that place yet in our communication efforts. And no. I know you do that on your own. And what kind of results are you seeing when you meet someone where they want to be met? Yeah, no, I feel like it, it works. Like I said, we're, we're, we're getting, you know, a good return on those, those customers. And if nothing else, okay, maybe they don't buy necessarily. Not every, you know, a lot of lead people are, are just inquisitive, but they might buy down the road because you're the one that you're the one that remembered they answered your question. So some of the stuff we don't even see now that we might see six months from now or a year from now, because that person remembered. And I think one of the biggest things we're missing is what is the next biggest buying demographic if they're not already the millennials, how do millennials buy? How do they communicate? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that the phone is becoming more and more archaic all the time. I'm not saying that there's no value in the phone. Don't get me wrong. But when they want me to talk to them that way, you know, when there's a lot we have to discuss and they want to communicate that way, but otherwise, you know, again, let's just communicate and answer the questions the way that the buyers want. That's it. That's, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Um, hey Jeff, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time today and I think there's definitely still some, conversation that can happen around the topics that we discussed today uh, for anybody out there that's watching a listing right now who would like to connect with you maybe follow along with your journey or even pick up some of these conversations and continue them with you what's the best way to connect with you 
Uh, basically, you know, search General Motors Jeff on almost all the social media platforms. I am on TikTok, although not really. I haven't really put a lot of focus <laughs> at all or effort or time into it. But uh, majority of the time, of course, you can reach me on Facebook. Uh, you can Instagram, uh, you can follow me on YouTube. It's all General Motors Jeff tagged at LinkedIn, General Motors Jeff. If you want to email me, it's General Motors Jeff at Outlook.com. Um, you know, I, 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 if you put General Motors Jeff in and you can't find me, um, you're not doing Google right, I think. So hopefully uh, if you're looking to, to get a hold of me any of those ways, I, I pretty much monitor all of it. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a lot of fun. You have yourself an amazing day. Thanks for having me again, buddy. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy with Jason podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to check out the full podcast library at strategywithjason.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.